opportunity to interview the new head of school, Tony Jakaji. In this interview, Megan McDonald and Tessa Mock ask a variety of questions ranging from how to pronounce Mr. Jakaji's last name to his opinion on cancel culture. Mr. Jakaji was even able to ask Megan and Tessa some of his own questions about student life at Tabor. Enjoy the interview. Okay, um, so our first question was there's kind of been some confusion about how to pronounce, pronounce your last name. <laughs> um, it's pronounced Smith. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's pronounced Jakachi, like it's catchy, you catch a ball. That, that's, that's a great question. And I also have a problem because it always comes up spell check as jacuzzi. So, you know. Oh, yeah. That could be awkward, too. <laughs> so our second question was just when you get there, if you would be interested in involving yourself with the extracurricular activities that Tabor has. So obviously you'll be really busy in meetings and stuff, but obviously we'll have sports games, art shows, the musical. Would you consider attending those? Um, I am really excited about becoming a Seawolf. And what I mean by that is being at sports games, at being at activities, being at meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, being and, and meeting students in dormitories. I used to be a, a boarding school teacher, right? So I was a teacher. I coached a whole bunch of sports. My wife and I lived in a dorm. We have three boys and they were all born while we were um, living at St. George's. And so for me, that means um, all of those activities you spoke about. And Tessa, I think my first and most important job is to really understand Tabor students and to really serve Tabor students. And the only way I'm going to do that is to see all the many different things and all the many different opportunities that you can do. So more fun sounds like being at the side of a, a game, being in an audience of a performance, being at an art opening, uh, being at a meal and, and sharing a, a meal with students. That's what I hope to do. I, I, I think for two reasons. One, it's really important for me to understand the experience, but number two, I enjoy it. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm an educator is I just enjoy, uh, you know, meeting students, learning all about their interests. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, this kind of goes along with that. And I think you touched on it, too. But what you're most excited for about coming to Tabor and like what about Tabor stood out to you? Um, Tabor's a great school. Um, you know, it has been around for 145 years. Um, and it has sent many people into the world. It used to be all boys, so it sent a lot of men into the world, but now it's co-ed over the last few decades, so it's sending both men and women into the world and really has changed their lives. And Megan, I heard stories when I was interviewing for the position, but also heard stories when I would say, you know, I knew a few alum who had gone to Tabor, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm considering this as an opportunity. What can you tell me? And to a person, the Tabor alum that I would speak with would talk about how this school changed their lives. Since I was offered the position and since I uh, accepted it, I've also been speaking with um, some alum who went to the school decades and decades ago. And they speak about it in the same way that alums who have graduated only recently do about it being such an important part. So that really got me excited about a school that can change the trajectory of students' lives. I think I'm also excited because from a high school, right? I'm a high school teacher. 
And so I am excited to get back into kind of the high school curriculum. The world is such a crazy world today. Yeah. It's so complicated, right? Whether Tessa, you're going to college next year, Megan, you're going to college the year after, and then going off into the world. It, that really interests me, how to think about what the curriculum at Tabor has been for 145 years and prepared alums so well that I was speaking about a moment ago, but then what elements of that kind of program need to be shifted and changed a little bit to send students into this really rapidly changing world as well, right? Those alums that I spoke to who went to Tabor 50 years ago, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have to worry about social media. They didn't have to worry about this whole, um, you know, global warming and some of the things, you know, I don't want to depress you, but you know, it's kind of, it's a complicated world out there, right? But that really interests me. So the high school curriculum, the high school experience and how to really continue to shape that and shift and, and really craft it so that graduates are really best prepared for this rapidly changing world. Yeah, I think that's really nice that that's something you're thinking about because I know having gone to Tabor for the past four years, we talk a lot about getting out of what we call the Tabor bubble. And yeah. so it's really easy, especially at a smaller boarding school to be very focused on everything that's happening within that community. And you sure. very much forget about everything going on. And I think this year has actually been helpful because we have had to talk about you know, the election and COVID and yep. everything that's going on. So it's nice to hear that that will continue without a pandemic kind of looming over. Yeah, so that's a good point that you make, right? Because I would hope that that Tabor would be a bubble of sorts, right? Because when, when you both come to Tabor, you have this wonderful experience where it's just, you know, 500 plus students you know, 100 plus faculty members. And what a wonderful opportunity to be in community and to learn from each other and to really kind of have a, its own little a learning community. But that bubble has to be permeable. There has to be enough coming in from the outside so that, you know, once you leave Tabor, it's a pretty caustic environment that you're prepared for that, right? So when I think about that bubble that you're talking about, Tessa, it seems that maybe this year it wasn't quite as impermeable, right? That there were issues that came in, be it the election or other issues, I'm sure that, that are being discussed on campus because those, are, those issues are not going away, right? When you get to college campuses or when you even graduate from college and start living lives and, and, and building careers too. This also kind of goes along with that. Um, we talked a little bit about like politics obviously before. And so yep. we're wondering like how you feel about politics and how that should tie into like the academic environment and what you think that relationship should be. Do you think politics should be discussed in the classroom or we should keep it separate? Well, that it's a great question, right? And it's a question of, of the current era. Um, I believe in good and strong civil discourse, right? So I do think that there are issues that we need to lean into and to talk about. We have a divided country here in the United States. Now, not all Tabor students are from the United States, Right. But we also, in many ways, have divided a divided world as well as well. Right. So I think a lot about preparing a student to go into the world where they're going to really disagree deeply with uh, a belief from somebody else and to be able to enter into relationship with that person. You know, I think it's very easy just to not want to hear or not want to listen and just to point at somebody and say, you support candidate X or you support movement Y. Therefore you must be, I know what kind of person you are. I don't even have to invest in getting to know you. 
I don't. I think that that is unfortunately what's leading to greater division among people. And so for me, having an open opportunity to talk about with with people about some of these really important issues. Um, whether they be political, whether they be about race relations here in the United States, whether they be about uh, issues that the world is facing. And to give people, Megan, the tools to have those conversations, not necessarily with people you agree with, that's easy, right? right. Yeah. But with people that you disagree with. And so what we've been doing at Country Day is we've try, been trying to come up with guidelines and helping students to understand and faculty to help guide um, what are called, you know, uh, conversations that are based in civil discourse. And that means to be respectful. That doesn't mean polite. That doesn't mean you have to accept what somebody is saying. In fact, good critical thinking is really trying to analyze what somebody is saying and test their thinking, but also test your own. So for me, civil discourse isn't a debate. It's not a zero sum game. It isn't like I win, you lose, mm -hmm. right? The best kind of political discussion would be one where I either further my own beliefs or maybe I change them a little bit in entering into a conversation with you. But I would also say that, you know, going in with, with, with I guess, open heart and ears and an empathy for the other person, that's where really good conversations have to start. You have to care about the other person. And that's why I think a school like a Tabor is really in a good position as long as you can get everybody on the same page to understand uh, kind of what those guiding principles are and how to have those discussions. I'm not suggesting it's easy, it's not. These are really serious issues and people get really, really emotional about them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really opening your mind and your heart to another person and trying to understand their point of view. Now I will say, and we say here at Country Day, and I would say the same at Tabor, there is a line though between good, strong, spirited debate and hate speech. And you certainly can't go over that line. And I would define hate speech as attacking somebody based on their identity, right? And so that's a tricky part too, right? In these discussions as well. And so it's really important for the teachers to be able to help students understand and, and teachers themselves to understand that distinction um, so that you can have really good and strong uh, conversations um, and really open, open minds to each other, but also have a distinction between what is, what is appropriate and what is inappropriate as well. It's um, not easy. I mean, it sounds easy, yeah. right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right. saying that like, you know, we just get together and we set a couple of rules and everything will be great. You both know it's not that easy, right? And, and but the thing that I'm confident about though is the school Tabor size, right? it's the perfect size. And the fact that Tabor has so many different people coming from all over the world with so many different backgrounds, it's really rich an opportunity for people to have different experiences, right? And to be able to have those conversations. Yeah, I think that almost answered the uh, question we had about your opinion in the upsurge of cancel culture um, and how you would think about making Tabor really any school more of a, a welcoming environment to as many different viewpoints and perspectives. And I think you did kind of answer that with uh, the civil discourse and stuff, but if you have anything to add. Yeah, you know, I think the, the second word there is the most important, not cancel culture, but culture. What is the Tabor culture? And I, what I would say is it's what the students decide it's going to be. It's what the faculty decide it's going to be. You can choose a culture 
again, it's not easy to shift. I'm not suggesting that if the culture has been one way for a long period of time, that, that you can just wake up the next morning and say, well, let, let us be a different culture, but at least you can identify and you can work together because culture is relationship between people. And if people have open minds and people can change their points of view, then you can also shift that culture. But what I will say, Tessa, though, is just to add to my point, I have taught and lived in Shanghai, China for a long, for five years, my family and I lived over there. And so it was really interesting to see kind of the United States through a different set of eyes, through a different culture and a different group of people. Um, and what I have come to learn in my career and my life is that you, your thinking and your approach and your view of the world is only made stronger if you bring yourself into communication and into contact with people as different a background as you as possible, right? And that's another thing that's great about Tabor. It goes from all over the United States and then all over for the world as well. And that's another reason why I'm excited to come to Tabor is really have a large group of people with a lot of different experiences and to see that as an opportunity. One thing I just wanted to ask, you could tell us a little bit about your family. Like sure. obviously you'll be living in the head of schoolhouse, I'm assuming, right? Yes. And you have sons? I do. I have three boys. My okay. oldest son is Nick. He's in his third year at uh, Middlebury College up in Vermont. Um, my uh, second son, his name is Sam. He is a uh, second year at Wash U in St. Louis, Missouri. And then we, we, our third son is Ben. He is a 10th grader here at uh, Country Day. And he's an applicant for admission to Tabor Academy. So we're hopeful that that might work out. Um, my wife, Lucia, is, uh, she and I met in high school, it's true, Megan and Tessa, it's kind of geeky, but yes, we yeah. are high school. High school, we both <laughs> attended Phillips Academy outside of, in Andover, yeah. and, and we met up there. And my story even goes farther back. My parents were actually teachers at Andover a long time ago, and I actually was a faculty fat brat. And I was born on the Andover campus a long time ago. But, uh, my wife and I then uh, went to St. George's and as I shared with you earlier, had our, our three boys. We also have a dog, a black lab named Mei Mei, um, which means little sister in Chinese. Um, my wife, three boys, as I've shared, and so she wanted a girl in the house. So we got a dog and then we have a cat who is a stray, not anymore, but he lives with us now. And we call him Rody because we have a home in Rhode Island. And I shared with the faculty that we'll probably keep calling him Rhodey because if we called him Massachusetts, he might get confused. And that doesn't really sound that good anyways, right? It's not as good as Rhodey. And we'll live in the head of school's house, which is a beautiful home. And we also know, Megan, that there's the second half of the home. Miss Salit, I've never been there, but Miss Salit took us around. She used a phone and like used a FaceTime. And so she showed us, gave us a tour of the home. And we were really excited to see that half of the structure is actually a public uh, side where students can come and faculty can come and, and other guests of the school. So we're really excited to be able to host um, people at the, the home as well. All right, Tess, do you have anything else to ask? Um, not anything else to ask, but for the hosting part of the house, the seniors every year, except for this year, would do cookie decorating for Christmas. Okay. So I think we should continue that. Now it's my <laughs> turn to ask you some questions then, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't part of the deal, but I'm going to take the opportunity. <laughs> okay. right? uh, what are others? So Tessa, you just shared a good tradition, a senior tradition. What are other traditions, Tessa and Megan, that I should know about 
um, that that you hope will continue on and on. I know we do. What's it? It's fall weekend um, okay. where they have. It's like TA day, and oh, yeah. I think it was my freshman year we competed against Thayer, so they're okay. also TA. Um, so the whole thing was who's the better TA. Um, okay. And that's a really fun day. They give classes different colors. We'll have a pep rally before all the games where the teams will do dances and stuff. Um, so I think that should definitely be something that continues. I know everybody loves it. They'll have food trucks. They were even able to kind of do it this year with COVID, which I know everybody was excited about because we were worried we weren't going to be able to have anything because right. everything was so yeah. up in the air. So Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's like one of our only athletic traditions, I'd say. I don't really know of any others, but that's, it's always fun. We always play fair um, for field hockey. We did that. And then this year we just had to have scrimmages because we couldn't play against other schools. But um, that's like my favorite memory from, from my sophomore year. First okay. year. Okay. Megan, you okay. have a spring at Tabor, but no. spring fest um, and they have bouncy houses and it's a whole day for everybody on the waterfront okay. um, to go swimming, to take kayaks out. Um, and that's always really fun. Sometimes they have musical performances because some of the teachers play different instruments or sing. Um, so that's always really, really fun. <laughs> okay. So, so keep that one as well. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Now, what, what does it mean to be a sea wolf? Right. Can you help me understand this mascot? And, and uh, is that, is the sea wolf a big deal or, or, you know, how, how does the school embrace the mascot? I don't think so. I know every day they say it's always a great day to be a sea wolf. I think that's just kind of like because on the water and obviously just being at Tabor is great in general. I wouldn't say there's too much to like the actual mascot. Would you, Tess? Um, I think the whole idea was that it was just better than saying go orcas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more intense. It just sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. I, I guess it reminds me more. It's like if you meet an alum it's something to bond over. You say, go see wolves. It's just something that resonates with you for the rest of your yeah. time. I'm going through life. Have either of you ever been on the Tabor Boy? I understand that that's kind of a, a big deal at Tabor. Do a lot of students participate in that program either through, you know, I, I guess in any way, I suppose. Um, before I didn't do it, but before like newly admitted students, there's, um, they call, I forget, what do they call it? There's just, a Orientation. It's a table orientation. Yeah. Um, and they go on there for five days, four nights. So there's a group of like, I believe it's like 15 kids. Um, and they have like, all different weeks throughout the summer. But kids love that because they meet like their first friends, their first other new Tabor students. And then they get to kind of see what it's like to be with the crew on the boat and then sleeping there, eating there. And then they also learn a little bit about like um, more basic things about sailing and just life at sea kind of, which is Kind of fun when you're on the water so now do, and, and megan did you do this did you participate I in that program? oh you didn't i didn't know okay. yeah did you do that tesla i didn't participate in that either actually um but okay. they do a senior sale for anyone okay. who hasn't been on the Tabor boy so in the spring hopefully we can do that and i'll be able to go on it fingers oh, crossed really <laughs> very good well, um, it's a real pleasure speaking with both of you um, and, and learning a little bit more about Tabor. I'd like to say a special thank you to Mr. Tony Jihachi for agreeing to do this interview with Megan McDonald and Tessa Mock. A special thank you to Mrs. Petroselli for helping with the editing of this podcast. 
And a special thank you to Mrs. Shagru for helping editing the main article that goes along with this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.